morning, everyone. It's great to be here today. Um, I invite you to follow along with today's reading and in insert in your bulletin. It's taken out of Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. That's Acts 9, verses 3 through 5. Um, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who are you are persecuting. That's our reading. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Steve, thank you for doing our reading. My talented friend, Kim, thank you for sharing your gifts with us and, uh, that song that you wrote last week. Super special. Well, before we jump into our sermon this morning, would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, resurrected Jesus, Holy Spirit, mighty God, three in one. Lord, we thank you for this day. We recognize that you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, I pray for those who are traveling uh, right now. We have many loved ones that are traveling, and I I ask that you'd be with them, that you would lead and guide them. Of course, I ask for protection as well. Um, I think of our fearless leader here, Pastor Perry, and just ask that you would bless him on his trip. Uh, May he find times of refreshing and um, just fun moments, making fun memories. Bless he and his his friend Themis, Lord, as they travel together. God, for many of the families that are moving, PCSing out and in, Lord, I ask that you would uh, be gracious to them during this time of transition, and I know how hard that can be. Um, Lord, some are transitioning even out of the military, and I ask that you'd bless them, Lord, as they um, venture into new um, uncharted territory. I pray that you'd lead and guide them. Lord, I also just lift up members of our congregation who are facing uh, pain and illnesses in their bodies. In Jesus, I ask for mercy for them. I ask for a healing touch from you. That you would touch their bodies and um, heal them, Lord. And give them strength, Lord, as they wait for you in your perfect timing. And now, Lord, I just ask that you would unify us. Just as there is one Lord one baptism, one spirit. Lord, may we be of one mind and one heart. We look to your word now because, Lord, your word is truth. And I humbly say that I have nothing good to say on my own accord. So, Holy Spirit, would you please fill me for your glory and for your purposes. May I be your mouthpiece now. It's in Jesus' name that I humbly ask. Amen. Amen.
I did not choose to become a pastor. <laughs> that was not my plan. My dad uh, was a pastor, as long as I can remember, um, and I, I love that man. And people would ask me, hey, Josh, when you get older and you grow up, do you want to be a pastor like your dad? I would say, no, <laughs> it was not my plan. And some of you know this about my, my testimony. Um, when my wife and I got married, we, we moved. We left the island. We went to California. And um, this one evening, it was her first night of class at Vanguard University in the psychology department. I was with her. I was in the office department with her. I was going to send her off, write a check, and I, my plan was to go to Jack in the Box. That was my plan <clears throat> for that evening. And I was like, hmm, two tacos for 99 cents or chicken sandwich? I, I couldn't decide. Choices, right? So I'm in the business department, and this woman sitting across from me in the business administration building, her name is Sue, this petite fireball of a woman for Jesus Christ looks me dead in the eyes, and she's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And uh, she's like, there's a class starting tonight. You need to be in this class. It's the religion cohort. It's, it's, a, it's starting tonight, and it's um, basically a bachelor's in religion. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't, I, it's not my plan to become a student right now, especially a Bible student. That's not my plans. Um, and she said, you know, there's, I'm like, how long is the class? She said, four hours. Four hours? <laughs> what? And then she said, but don't worry, there's, there's vending machines in the courtyard. I'm like, oh, great. Um, I'm like, I don't have anything. She's like, well, here's a pad and here's a pen and pad of paper and pen. And I was just like, man. And it was one of those moments where I felt like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. You know that moment? It's like, it's almost like the Lord is nudging you. Um, like Sophia just talked about, I, there was something in me, I'm like, oh, no, and if I say no, I know it's going to happen, like, I'm going to feel like I blew it. I just felt inside me, I need to be in this class, so I went into this class. The professor's name is Bill Doctorum, and, with, and I, I kid you not, the four hours flew by, because he started talking about the theme redemption, starting in Genesis chapter 3, that the, that the serpent's head would get crushed, all the way through Revelation that there will be a new heaven and a new earth one day. And I tell you what, that night I fell in love with the Bible. I grew up in church my whole life. My dad was a pastor, but I never had a, I never had a reverence and appreciation and a love for the scriptures until that night. And that night changed my life and then set me on a course that, I, that were not my plans. I didn't plan on becoming a pastor. And it was because of that night that I was asked three times to become a youth pastor. The first time I said no. Second time I said no. Third time he said pray about it. And I said, <clears throat> Our God is up to something in this world, people. He is doing something. He has a plan and he will see it through to completion and the gospel of Jesus Christ will go worldwide and it's wild that he uses people like you, people like me, and a man named Saul who became Paul. And with our, our series Encountering Jesus, I just thought, man, I, I would love to study and preach on um, Saul's conversion. And so that's what we're doing today. So follow with me. We are in... 
Acts chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 1. We'll just kind of slowly, well, well, we'll take it in three portions as we move through Saul's conversion this morning. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, just for some context, we know from Philippians 3, we know about Paul. Paul the Jew was circumcised on the eighth day, keeping with the Torah, belonging to Yahweh's covenant people Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew through and through. And not just that, he was a Pharisee. And I think we can, I think we tend on this side of things, in 2019, we can kind of get down on the Pharisees pretty quick. Be like, oh, those Pharisees. But listen, during this time, there was something called Hellenization going on. And what was happening, there was just this merging, this conglomeration, this uh, hodgepodge of religion. And Rome was trying to get everybody, you know what, all the gods, let's put all the gods in one pot, and we'll just, we'll just all be one people, we'll all have like multiple gods, and everything will be okay. And the Pharisees were like, no, we don't want to taint our, our religion. This is Yahweh, we are God's people, and, and the Lord is one, we can't have multiple. So they, so they were like, they shunned that Hellenization, this mixture of religions, and they said, we will be in the world and we will not be of the world. And so they clung to tradition in order to protect their way of life, their religion, their culture, Yahweh. And this man, this Pharisee, Saul, was blameless in regard to law-keeping. Saul was not trying to thwart Yahweh. He thought he was working for Yahweh by protecting Judaism from this outbreak of radicals, these Jesus followers. So in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came mightily. Chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Spirit poured out. Peter, the guy who denied Jesus three times, who got reinstated three times, delivers this powerful sermon. And the Bible tells us that 3,000 souls were added that day to their number. A revival broke out. And at the end of that chapter, verse 47, it says that the, day by day, the Lord was adding to their number. Christianity was starting to spread like a wildfire. And so Saul, the Pharisee, the dedicated follower of Yahweh, made it his mission to bind these people and put them in jail and whip them and flog them and stop this crazy 
outburst of Christianity. He thought he was doing right. So he made a plan to get some letters to go to Damascus, and that's when Jesus stepped in, (laughs) as he always does, and revealed himself to Saul. And as I was preparing this this message and just really meditating on this, this conversion story, this narrative in our, in our Bible, God revealed to me uh, just three little sub-points that you can take notes on if you want. I'm not going to get to the points yet in your outlines, but I will get to those soon. But just first, just three things. One, about God's grace. Two, about how relational he is. And three, truly he is the self-revealing God. And I just want to hit on those three because I think they're really important. Grace. God's grace. God bestowed grace on Paul, on Saul that day, and he truly had grace for each and every one of us. Grace for Saul because God did not smite him right then and there for persecuting him. I think it's interesting, too, that Jesus said, he, Jesus didn't say, you are persecuting my people. He said, you're persecuting me. It was personal. The head saying about his body, the church, you're persecuting me, Saul. This is a big deal. And so I just see a lot of grace in this passage that, that God would come to Saul and have a conversation with him. Grace bestowed on us because while Saul was trying to protect his tradition and keep Yahweh exclusive, Christ came to fling wide the floodgates of grace and to let Gentiles into the fold of God. And truly, as a Pharisee especially, they would not eat with Gentiles. They actually had a derogatory word for Gentiles. And unless you're Jewish, each and every one of us here, we are Gentiles. My Hanai daughter, Bree, is actually part Jewish, so so she's of the chosen race. (laughs) I'm not! (laughs) And they would call us dogs. Jesus even referred to us as that. He's like, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And a woman with great faith said, yeah, but even the dogs eat the crumbs off the children's table. And Jesus was like, wow, great is your faith. Your daughter's healed. It was amazing. And so the Pharisee who would have never ate with dogs became their pastor. <laughs> How wild. And I, and I just think we should humbly rejoice at the gracious gospel extension to us, the Gentiles. Lord, thank you. And our God is not only gracious, but he's so relational. Check this out. He calls Saul by name twice, which he does in the Bible. Samuel, Samuel, right? He calls people by name. He calls Saul twice. Saul, Saul. And then he asks him a question. And it reminds me of even way back in the beginning of Genesis, where he comes to Cain. Cain murdered his brother. Cain was jealous of his brother. He was angry, and God comes to him before it all goes down, and he says, why are you angry? Why are you downcast? And and I just see the wonderful counselor 
again in this passage. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he gives him a chance to respond. That's a relational God. And then also, thirdly, uh, just how self-revealing our God is and how he must be. You and I, we could hop into the church van right now. Well, maybe not all of us, but 12 of us. We could all drive down to the beach. We could all go to a tide pool, and we could examine life in the tide pool. There's a fish. Whoa, look at this hermit crab. We could show it to our children. Hey, check this out. Look at the hermit crab. We can examine a tide pool. We cannot examine God. We cannot put God under a microscope. We can't, no one, none of us can ascend into heaven and question God. So, God, tell me about this. We cannot do that. We are lowly, we are humble. He is high and lifted up. He is beyond us. But, but I'm not talking about distance. I'm talking about his quality of life, his character, who he is, and the way he experiences life. You and I, we're stuck in time. We can't go backwards. We can't go forward. We live in the now. And we are confined to space. I can only be in one place at one time, just like you. Not God. He transcends the way we experience life. He's imminent and he's close, but he is transcendent. He is beyond us. And none of us can examine him or question him um, as if we were putting him on trial or scrutinizing him. He cannot be examined, but... He can be known because, like I said already, he is gracious and he's self-revealing. And so he asks, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And in this moment, Jesus connects all the dots for the Pharisee. God, Elohim, the Ancient of Days, Creator of the world, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of the nation Israel, the God of the Exodus, Yahweh said, I am Jesus. I just find it pretty wild that the Pharisee, the guy who knew so much about the Old Testament, was just left to say, "Uh, who are you, Lord? And so number one in your notes, one thing that I think we can take away today is, um, I wish this would always happen, but point number one, that every human being, every human being should allow God's word to shape their theology. And theology is the study of God, so what we know about God. Every human being should allow the word of God to shape their theology, not opinions, Uh, Not thoughts or feelings, but allow the Word of God to shape their theology because, as we teach our Awana clubbers, He is truth. He is truth. The Word of God, Jesus Christ, He is truth. May He be the one that shapes our theology. Here Saul had this plan. He thought he was doing what was right. But man, he sure needed, he, he needed to get checked. And Jesus showed up. And uh, 
Saul asked a really good question. When you and I come to the scripture, scriptures or even get down on our knees and pray, may we ask this question. May we all be people who ask, Lord, who are you? May we all be people who ask, Lord, who are you? What are you like? Reveal it to me in your scripture. Because sometimes, if you're like me, sometimes I've, I've been way too hard on myself. And like I mess up or do something wrong and I'm just like, oh. And I feel like God's love for me just diminished. Like, ding, 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 ding. It went down a couple notches. And then when I'm doing really good, like, oh, the Lord loves me so much. And God's love is not like that. I don't know where I get that. It's wrong thinking. So may the word of God direct my theology and yours of what God is like. Now, on the flip side, sometimes we can get a little bit too comfortable with God and do our own thing. And just like in Saul's life, Jesus came into the mix and corrected him. And in that moment, may we say, Lord, who are you? And God will say, I'm the holy God. Show me reverence. Show me respect. Yes, Lord, I'm sorry. And I've been on that side too. So there's this balance of, Lord, you love me so much. And you are a holy God. You are God. I am not. May we all be people who ask, Lord, who are you? All right, let's continue on. Um, We are in, I think I stopped at verse 5. So let's continue on because Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless. Hearing the voice but seeing no one, Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus and he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. The book of Acts has been, it got its name, its nickname Acts, from um, just the phrase, the Acts of the Apostles. But truly, the Acts of the Apostles were only significant when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so there are some um, authors who have argued that Acts should probably stand for the Acts of the Holy Spirit. One writer even said, this might even be better, the continuing Acts of the Lord Jesus. Because Acts is a sequel. It's a continuation of, what Jesus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And this particular passage, as I've already shared, this, the opening up to the Gentiles, this particular pa- passage, Jesus is setting the stage for the final part of his, his plan to begin. And this is a plan that he, he talked about uh, at the beginning of this book, which is Acts 1.8. If you want to flip over there with me to it, Acts 1.8. Jesus is speaking to his followers. He's telling them to wait. And he's telling him his plan. Here's his plan. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and 
even to the remotest part of the earth. And by chapter 8, that first part has happened from Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, because the persecution started spreading the gospel. But now, now Jesus comes to Saul because Christ is building his church and it will be accomplished and the Lord invites human beings into accomplishing his plan. But Jesus is the head, not the apostles. He is the one leading, he is the one directing, and he is the one steering us. Now, <clears throat> I don't preach a lot, but when I, when I get to preach, I'm always on the lookout for like a super cool Greek word that I can like, hey, this is what the Greek means. I want to impress Pastor Perry. Or I'm looking for like some secret meaning that you guys didn't know about. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know that. That's so rad. And, because I'm so excited, there's a hidden scripture that we have today. It's hidden. Well, kind of. Do any of you have a King James Version or a New King James Version? Because if you do, I didn't read something. Okay, I have an NASB. um, But in all the other translations, there are two things that are omitted from the text. They're in the Greek text, but they are omitted from NIV, NASB, and, and many of the other translations. But the King James Version and the New King James Version has it. And so now I'm kind of kind of backtrack just a moment. Uh, I'm going to reread verses 5 and verses 6 because we miss something that Jesus said and then we miss another question that Paul asks. Listen to this. And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. What? Okay, verse 6. So he, this is Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Like, what does that even mean? And the reason I didn't know what it meant, and maybe you don't know what it means, is because none of us um, are, are plowing oxen. It was a familiar Greek proverb that Saul knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. It was a familiar saying to anyone who, is, who made a living in agriculture. A goad was a stick with a pointy piece of iron at the tip. It was used to prod oxen as they were plowing. The farmer would prick the animal just to steer it in the right direction, but sometimes the animal would rebel, and it would kick out against the goad. And this would result in the goad being driven further into the animal's flesh. In essence, the more an ox rebelled, the more it suffered. And so when I talk about, when Sophia talks about this nudge, it's the same thing that Jesus says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. The actual word um, can be translated as pricks. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I kind of like that better because I, I know what a prick is. And, um, and it's true. And if you've been following Jesus for quite some time, 
um, you know what these pricks are like. It's like these checks in your spirit. It's the, the Holy Spirit leading you, prompting you, guiding you, pricking you. And he does this because he is the head and we are the body and he is steering this thing. It's not the acts of the apostles. It's not the acts of the church. These are the acts of Jesus Christ, the head, who fills his body to be his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece. But I just find it all too, not only fascinating, but just frightening that this, this verse is in there. That Jesus would say, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And in that moment, Saul knew he was rebellious. Jesus was saying, you are rebelling against me, against Yahweh. And then I just find it very humbling and very insightful that Saul's response is, Lord, what do you want me to do? He quickly submits. He knows he was wrong. He's going to spend three days blind. I just think it's wild because I have felt these pricks in my life and I guess I didn't know that Jesus said that in this story. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 15.10, Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. And I don't know if you have ever just rebelled against the Lord. I have. I've just been like, I'm a Christian. I have the Holy Spirit. I know I'm going to heaven, but Lord, I want to do my way right now. And it's the worst. It's just the worst. But I, I also think how much better it is to be agitated by the pricks of the Lord than to go on astray freely and ignorantly. How gracious is our God to, to prick us, to bring us back and to awaken us and be like, oh yeah, Lord, I humbly submit to you. Because one way or another, I'm a slave. I'm either a slave to sin and darkness or I'm a slave to God and righteousness. There is no third party. There's no third dominion. There's no dominion of Josh. It's the dominion of Satan or the kingdom of light. I want to be in the kingdom of light. Point two in your notes, every Christian should evaluate her plans because ultimately the Lord's plans will prevail. I'll read that again. Every Christian should evaluate his plans because ultimately the Lord's plans will prevail. So not only may we be people who ask, um, Lord, who are you? But may we be people who ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? I have my plans, Lord. I'm going to commit them to you. But if you want to change them, let me know. I come with open hands. Rather than a death grip, this is my way, this is what I want to do. No, there's like this releasing. God, whatever you want to do. 
but a warning. <laughs> a warning. If you ask that question, you might be in for a really wild adventure. My dear wife is in Africa again. Right now. Right now. You can throw up the first picture there. She's in Africa again. Um, because we have said yes to basically... At first, we thought we were adopting a little girl. You can go to the next one. Um, this, is, this is Esther, and this is uh, from her first trip. Um, she sent this note to her, and, or gave her this note. And the, this whole thing, this whole thing, here's how the whole thing began, just in case you don't know the story. God prophesied through my daughter, Sunny, when mom was getting ready to go to Africa with our church. Um, mom, when you get there, look for Esther. Mom, look for Esther. And Taylor's like, okay. I don't know who Esther is, but I'll keep an eye out. So this first trip, Taylor goes, and they hit, they went, our, our, our team went to a few different orphanages, and at one of the orphanages, Taylor found Esther. And so we found out her story. Uh, her father died of AIDS, and her mother was um, HIV positive, had AIDS as well, and so we were fixing to adopt her. Next slide. My wife went uh, back again, and this time it was, instead of just about the girl, it was about the family, and so she um, hung out with the family, she prayed for the mom, took, took mom, Mama Sarah to the doctors, and she had this, this growth on her face, and it's kind of a natural byproduct of having AIDS, and they had it surgically removed, she had blood, te- blood tests, and as I've reported already, um, last time I gave an update, her blood work came back uh, negative for AIDS. So, so Mama Sarah's alive and well. And so, praise the Lord. Then, so now, it's just wild because my wife is like a wildfire. Um, she's a wild woman. <laughs> God bless her. Um, and so, now, you can go to the next one. Uh, they just spent the day, I think she's sleeping by now, they spent the day uh, going to the church in this village where Esther her family, and the people live, and they passed out rice and beans and blankets and all sorts of things. Um, some of you donated. Thank you for that. And, um, and it, it, this was kind of a crazy, wild, quick trip. Uh, there on the, right, on the right, you see from our young adults group, the Tinsleys, Robert and Madison, went with Taylor, um, and that's Rebecca and Timothy, our contacts there. And so she spent the, they spent the day passing out goods to the village, and sharing Jesus Christ with them. Uh, my wife led one person to the Lord earlier today, which is just, that's the plan. Gospel worldwide, that's what he wants to do. And, um, and I want to show you two more pictures. Go to the next one. Um, this is Mama Sarah. This is Esther's mom. This was the second trip that Taylor went, uh, where she had gotten taken to the hospital and stuff. And uh, we've, we've fa- we actually Skyped with her at one time, and Taylor said she has never smiled. When Taylor got there uh, just two days ago, you can go to the next picture. Here's Mama, Mama Sarah now. This is her two days ago, and this woman is healed. She is whole. She is thriving. Um, my wife bought, brought, bought her a bunch of clothes to start her um, clothing store, 
And um, I, 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 don't even, I don't know what we're doing. I have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> I just know that we said yes somewhere, and this thing's like getting out of control. It's pretty wild. <laughs> if you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I, there's, I can't make, it might be wild. I can't make any promises for you. But I, I do know that, I, like, I have, I have a family. I have a family in Africa. It's so wild. Next week, please don't miss out. Next week, our, our team from Cambodia is going to be sharing. And this is God's heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide. And I, I think sometimes I get like this. I just, I get into my own Kailua bubble of my life and my family, my kids, and I sometimes just forget to look up and out. God, what are, you, what are you doing in the world? So this helps me. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> you, could, um, you could read the rest of this um, passage on your own time. A lot of you know that it involves a man named Ananias. And Ananias was the one who prayed for Saul, laid hands on him, and, and Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I want to say, that some are going to be called to be wild evangelists. Some are going to be called to pray behind the scenes. And may we all in one spirit and one heart be on our knees asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's my part in this? Am I a sender? Am I a goer? Am I a giver? I, Lord, what do you want for me to do? Um, just by attending here and just by, um, just by giving financially, I just want you to know you're a part of so much. And again, you're going to hear about a lot next week with Cambodia because a lot of you gave to that. Point three in your notes, just so you don't have any blanks when you go home. Every believer... Every believer can be useful to the Lord or not. Every believer can be useful to the Lord or not because each Christian is God's chosen instrument. Every believer can be useful to the Lord or not because each Christian is God's chosen instrument. That's from verse 15 in our passage today. God's speaking to Ananias because he's telling Ananias that Saul is my chosen instrument to be the apostle to the Gentiles. I think if Saul was choosing, he would have wanted to have been an apostle to Israel. As you read his letters, his heart just breaks for his people. But he said yes to the Lord and got a wild adventure. And each one of us, is the, we are individual members of a whole Individually, we make up the church, capital C, and we all have a part to play. We're all chosen in Christ, and we are all God's workmanship, and, and he has prepared good works for us to do in advance. And so, may you and I also be like Ananias, who was listening to the Lord, and he said, here I am, Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word. Truly, your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. And Lord, you, you are wild. 
And I thank you that um, you are the living God. You're alive. And you're wild, Lord. You will not be tamed. You will not be examined. You will not be scrutinized. You will do what you want to do. And how remarkable that you invite us into your story. You invite us into your plans. And Lord, forgive us for when our plans have trumped yours. Lord, because in the end, none of our plans will trump yours. You will prevail. Your plan will prevail. The gospel will go worldwide. Lord, would you show us our part in that? And I thank you, Lord, that you came to fling wide the gates of salvation and open it to the entire world. What that tells me about you is that you are loving, you are gracious, and your love is radical. So we just thank you, Lord. Would you continue to shape us and mold us? Holy Spirit, fill us. Use us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Lord God, thank you that we are your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for welcoming us into your family. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness that is new every morning and every day. Lord, be with us this week. Guide us this week and bless us as we bless you.